welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Thank you. I'm always amazed wherever we go to hear the stories of how churches start and so on, the faithfulness of pastors to persevere and churches to build. So we honor you, Pastor Robin Baker, for, for your perseverance and your faith. Um, for those of you who weren't at marriage night, I've been married to the brain. I'm Big Mac, married to the brain, 27 years now, and subject to most of the books, if you decided to buy any of the books. So I thank you all for coming to the service tonight. Um, Caroline is a communication pathologist, specialized in the areas of neuroscience and so on. And I've watched over the years, I've been privy to lots of the latest research that the, the Holy Spirit has laid on her and so on, because we give all the glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, all the same author of the Bible is the same author of all the science. So tonight you're going to get a lot of science, so you need to hang in there. I always like to start off with a funny story, it just relaxes you, gets the endorphins prime for learning. Since we're talking about science, I'm reminded of the story of a group of scientists got together and they decided to approach God and they challenged God. And they said, we don't need you anymore, we can make man ourselves. And God says, oh really, okay, let's have a competition. So the first scientist said, sure. And he leaned down to pick up the dirt from the earth and God says, nah, you've got to get your own dirt. Well, I love, I love the fact that science is catching up with the Word of God, but I love the fact that science is God's creation. Science is simply a description of His creation, as I was saying in the earlier services, and as a scientist, I never really anticipated that I would be spending the latter half of my career teaching in churches. Now, I do four or five days a week. I'm in churches helping people to understand the power of the mind and how God is using science to reveal His glory. So it's another way of looking at things. So don't be put off and think, well, I don't understand science. I won't understand her. Always remember that you are so brilliant. You're made in the image of such a brilliant God that you're very capable of following. So I always say that to relax people because when you start seeing brain slides and you think neuroscience, you think what on earth is she going to talk about in church? Well what I really talk about is how you should renew your mind. And I do it from many different angles and in the first service I started teaching about how thoughts are real. You know when God challenges us to bring all thoughts into captivity. You kind of think, well, we are so used to that scripture, but do you really think about what that means? Well, he wouldn't ask us to do something that he didn't design us able to do. So what we find from brain science is that your brain is actually designed to bring all thoughts into captivity. So you can actually basically stand outside of yourself. The front part of your brain is designed that you are able to stand outside of yourself and observe your own thinking. The fact that it's bring a thought into captivity, your thoughts are your memories. So God is telling us, hey, just don't just let anything go through your head. Bring every thought that you are thinking about, plus the thoughts that are come, that you've already thought about, bring them into captivity so that we can renew them together. He doesn't ask you to do this thing alone. He asks you to do them together. So first service, I spoke about how thoughts are real things that occupy mental real estate. In other words, your thoughts that you are thinking are physical substance. So don't think a thought is harmless because every thought is actually something that you grow. So when you say or do something, don't think, oh, where did that come from? It came from inside your head. As the scriptures say, as a man thinks in his heart, 
Out of the abundance of the heart? Okay, so there's more than 300 scriptures plus in the Bible that show us that thoughts precede action. And we know from brain science that you can't say or do without a root and the root is the thoughts. So thoughts are very powerful things and they, they are very powerful and they're very physical and they are very changeable, which is so amazing. So in this session, I'm going to start teaching you about the non-conscious and the conscious mind and how thoughts can become accessible and that they are designed to be redesigned. So I'm going to start taking you into the science of renewing your mind. But let's start at the beginning, which says bring all thoughts. The word all means all. God is not a God that he compromises. So he doesn't say, okay, bring some on Monday, maybe none on Tuesday, and I think I'll bring some then. It is all thoughts. So that means every thought that you are thinking, and you are thinking thoughts all day long. In fact, every 40 times a second in the non-conscious mind, which will become clearer in a moment, you are actually building thoughts, and every two seconds, more or less, you actually sweep a whole, you have a whole sweeping action through your brain that produces an actual conscious awareness of a thought that is busy building. So that means that in any one day, you are pretty much building anything between 30 to 60,000 thoughts and probably more. And God wants all 60,000 plus to be brought into captivity to him. The reason being is that if we don't listen to him while we're thinking, we're going to think badly. Okay, we're going to make wrong choices. Now, we do know that our default design is one of being wired for love. And tomorrow, the first session, I'm going to be speaking more about that. But I'm going to just introduce you to the concept now. So the side of the stage is the love zone, where you see green trees. And this side of the stage is the fear zone, which is the opposite spiritual force. Love and fear cannot coexist. They're two opposite spiritual forces. What scientists have found is that when we are designed to only think positive thoughts. We have no physical substance in our brain or our body that is designed to handle anything on this side. Okay? So we are designed to actually be addicted to God. So addiction is actually a good thing. Addiction is a good thing because addiction means that you are bringing all those thoughts into captivity to something. So if you're not addicted to God, you're addicted to me, myself, and I, alcohol, porn, or whatever else it is that you're paying attention to. So where your mind goes, your brain follows. Because your mind is separate from your brain, which we also learned about in the first service. It's not the same thing. Your mind and your brain are two separate things. Your mind is in your soul realm, and your soul is your intellectual will and your emotions. So your mind's in the middle. And then you have your spirit man, and then you have your physical. And your mind has one foot in the door of the spirit, one foot in the door of the body. So the brain is part of the body. So through your mind, your love, power, and sound mind, you are changing your brain, and you are developing your spirit. You are listening to God. You are bringing all thoughts into captivity or you're ignoring God and bringing no thoughts into captivity and randomly going through life in a chaotic way and then wondering why you have chaos in your mind and brain and then turning around and saying, God's trying to teach me something through sickness. It doesn't work like that. What we have to do is recognize that sin is voluntary. Let me say that again. Sin is voluntary. No one forces you and I to sin. Sin is a choice that we make. Ecclesiastes 7.29, he made us perfect, but we choose, we choose with our mind, because our mind is our intellect, will, and our free will, our intellect, our will, and our emotions, sorry, our ability to choose. We choose with our mind whether we are going to listen to God's advice on whatever we are thinking about and about to do, or we are ignoring God, listening to our own advice, or listening to the lies of the enemy. This is the 
choice that we have. So we're incredibly powerful, incredibly able to make changes in our life. And the, life, the changes that we make in our life don't only affect our spirit, soul, and body, but they also affect our current generation because whoever is watching you is learning from you. And when you learn, you are building brain substance. Please remember this. Every time you listen to someone, Every time you think about that information and spend time on it, seven minutes a day over 21 days will turn that thought into physical, permanent physical substance inside your brain. But here's the good news. Nothing is completely permanent because once you, well, if you, because anything that is in your brain can be changed because your brain is subservient to your mind. Your mind is separate. Your mind is your intellect, your will, and your emotions, and you designed to change your brain. So let's have a quick look at the impact of the environment that we create with our mind. So what is an environment that we create? Okay, so whatever you are thinking about is having this very powerful impact on your spiritual development and on your physical development and also feeding back into your mind. So if you stay in that zone, you're a mess, physically, mentally. And we know that 75 to 98% of current mental, physical and emotional illnesses today, including the dementias, the cancers, all those things come from our thought life. That is what the research is showing. So research is showing that the majority of the signal is coming from what we're thinking about. We better wake up and watch what we are thinking about. And that thinking is changing that physical substance of our mind and the people that are watching us. So as you're being watched, as you are learning, as you're listening to me, you are processing what I am saying and you are turning this into physical substance. Okay, so the, your, your thinking, as you are thinking and generating the signal, you have a quantum signal that flows through your body. Now we get classical physics and we get quantum physics. Please stay with me, okay? Remember you're brilliant, okay? So, simple. I'm going to make this very simple. Classical physics is classical because it's old. That's what classical means. But it's everything about what we can see and touch and feel and measure. Okay, it's very intuitive. It's very logical. Quantum physics, on the other hand, is about everything that we can't see. It describes things about the non-physical world, things that are too small to be seen with the naked eye. So we need special instrumentation, etc. Quantum physics has been around for a very long time. And quantum physics is incredibly spiritual. So is classical physics. God made it all. It's just different types of ways of understanding the laws of how this world functions. The reason I'm going to tell you a little bit more about quantum physics over the next three sessions is because it helps you to understand, get a deeper understanding of these environments that we create and these thoughts that are that we have to bring into captivity and the power of our mind. It gives us another angle. Okay, and it teaches you about how to resonate and be in alignment with the Spirit of God because you need to be in this zone and you design to be addicted to this zone. You design to be in the zone. So you've got to discipline your mind to stay here. So I'm using scientific principles to teach you how to do that and how to build and break down thoughts. Okay, so we're going to look at a slide, and this slide is of neurons in a petri dish. And neurons look like trees, and that's why I use trees for my analogy. And as you're listening to me now, you are growing trees, branches on your trees. Those branches are called dendrites. That's what you do all day long. So memories are made of these trees with branches. And the more you think, the more branches you grow. And you can add branches, take away branches. You can redesign your trees. Every time you think, you are redesigning your trees. 
Okay, so the first slide that you're going to see coming up is of neurons in a petri dish, and the petri dish creates an environment. So you, with your thoughts, create an equivalent environment with signals that change your blood chemistry. So as you're thinking now, the thought you're thinking now is generating an electrical and quantum signal throughout your whole brain and your entire body, so that the whole signal of your environment, of your cells, of your body, all 75 to 100 trillion of them, is being changed by how you are thinking now. So in this Petri dish, we have cells that are growing. And what's very interesting is that this is what you're doing right now at speeds of 10 to the 27. You are turning my words into these branchy things that you see growing up here. So you're doing this right now as you're listening to me, but much faster than this has been slowed down. So what one scientist did was he took a whole bunch of cells and from stem cells, we grow other cells. So the stem cells, stem cells divided. And after a period of time, he had a whole bunch of stem cells. Now stem cells that have divided from one cell means that they have the same basic genetic material. They have the same DNA, okay? So he put them into different environments, different petri dishes, and one was bone, one was tissue, one was fat. So the stem cells in the bone became bone, in the tissue, be I mean, muscle tissue became muscle tissue, and the fat became fat. That's kind of all kind of logical and normal. Then he had two more petri dishes. In the one were cancerous cells, and in the other were cells that were healthy. So he took from one of the petri dishes, he took some healthy cells, and he put half of them in the cancerous environment, and half of them in the toxic in the healthy environment. As you can imagine, the ones that were in the signal of the unhealthy environment, they were affected by the signal of the environment that they were placed within, and they changed. Their DNA was affected, they became cancerous. The healthy ones stayed healthy. Here's the interesting part, because that's also still logical, what I've said up to this point. Let's, he then took the cancerous cells and put them in the healthy environment, and he swapped and put the healthy ones in the cancerous environment. So as we can guess, the cancerous ones became cancer. We can understand that. But the cancerous ones in the healthy environment became healthy. So I mean, sorry, the healthy ones became cancerous. We can understand that. But the interesting thing is the reverse also happened. So when whatever environment your cells are in, and that's, that's been taken to all kinds of different levels and analyzed in depth, and what we understand from this particular kind of research is that the environment that a cell is in will cause a response and a change. So a cell, you are made of 75 to 100 trillion, and in every cell you have got DNA, and the DNA responds and respond to signals. DNA, which then contains your genes, is not self-emergent. They are not self-emergent. That means they can't switch themselves on. So you're alive because you are thinking. And your thinking is generating a signal, quantum, through your body and changing the environment of your cells and influencing your genetic expression. So healthy cells, healthy signal, healthy genetic expression, healthy thoughts, that's why I've got green trees, just to represent this. And the opposite, this is, so the opposite happens. There's unhealthy thoughts, the proteins fold incorrectly, and you build these toxic looking thoughts. And these are real things, they occupy mental real estate. Now here's the wonderful thing, we can get rid of these things, we are not, this is not who you are, this is who you have become. And another very important thing, if you are all the cells inside, my, sorry, thoughts inside of my head, you are all beautiful and perfect. What science has shown us is that God, in God's design, he limited our toxic choices and our toxic thinking, this zone, to only somewhere between 1% to 5% of the human genome. What that means is that your toxic choices that you and I make, okay, the sin that we, that we step into voluntarily, is limited to 1% to 5% of the human genome. You cannot damage 100% of your genome, which is incredible. 
But you, so in other words, that this over here is that area, that means that every time you sin, it's, it's limited to this area. It's limited to a one to five percent of your genome. Now you're alive because your genes are expressing and every single gene expresses in your brain, but in your heart, your heart genes express, etc., etc. So what I'm telling you, if you don't understand any of this, is that every time you think you're expressing genes and that's building physical substance into thoughts in your brain and all the other things that you need to stay alive and you influence the quality. So when you stay in this zone and you live in the zone and you whiny, moany, me, myself and I, everyone else out there is it's all everyone else's fault don't take responsibility look at me God why are you doing this to me and if you live in this zone and you you will get into mental ill health okay this is mental ill health it is also physical ill health because scientists have shown us that we have nothing in our brain and our body to handle being in this zone so we go into neurodegeneration and physical degeneration and the longer you keep the the toxic stuff inside of you the sicker you are going to get physically and mentally so we have to wake up now sin is voluntary trauma is involuntary Okay, no one asks to be raped, abused, etc., etc. But unfortunately, it looks the same. And this is why we have to forgive. Forgiveness is absolutely essential. Go look in the Bible what God says about forgiveness. Okay? You know, right in the, in the Lord's Prayer, we've got to forgive us as we forgive others. Forgiveness is massive in terms of how we function. So let's look at it from a quantum physics point of view. So quantum physics shows us that they tells us a lot of different things and there's a lot of different laws that I will be introducing you to. But the first law of quantum physics I want to introduce you to is called entanglement. Entanglement means entangled, relationship, connected. We are all connected. Now first of all, we are made by God. God is the creator as we know. So we are entangled in him. So whether you, someone is a believer or not, they are still part of his creation. They are still entangled and he is still calling. There is still that drawing and this is why we see through the ages because of this entanglement concept that people are always worshipping something. There is the recognition in even the most staunch atheist that there's something more than just me. Okay? There's something more, and this is why man through the ages has always worshipped something, whether it is science, whether it is Mother Earth, whether it is whatever they call it, the wooden idol, uh, money, whatever. Okay? Sometimes they worship themselves. Okay? So basically what we have happening is this entanglement with God, but not only that, is we are entangled in each other's lives. The minute we set up a relationship, we are entangled. So when whatever kind of, you don't, like I don't know you personally, but now because I am now preaching to you and we are now connecting, I can't see your faces individually, but we have formed a connection because I've come to your church and I'm connected. We are now entangled in each other's lives. So we now impact each other's lives. So the things that I think about you and the things that you think about me and the things we say about each other actually have, will have impact because quantum physics shows us that there is no space-time dimension. Okay, what does that mean? Classical physics is bound by here and now. Now we are here, I've got a time clock telling me that I've got to finish in a certain amount of time and then we go on to this and then tomorrow will happen. It's space and time, okay? Whereas quantum physics, the laws operate out of space and time. So the present, the past and the future don't exist in quantum physics, okay? It doesn't, God is over and above space and time. He, so we get a taste of God's spiritual nature when we study quantum physics. So what that means, if there's no space and time, it means that you can take two tiny subatomic particles and you can put them in relationship with each other. You can shoot them miles apart using special equipment and if one spins this way, the other one will spin that way because they are entangled. There's a connection, there is a relationship. What has this got to do 
with in forgiveness. Watch this. Let's say someone has done something to you. We've all got stories about how we've been hurt by someone and you really genuinely may be the traumatized victim in the situation. Now, if you, as you've gone through the situation, you would have experienced a signal. It would have converted into a physical substance. Um, you would have created a thought inside your head, which is the memory of this issue. Now, if you have not forgiven, it is still toxic. It is inflamed. It looks different in the brain. It creates an abnormal type of inflammation, puts you into what we call stage two of stress and stage three of stress, which is toxic and abnormal. The more you think about it, the more it will grow because whatever you think about, the most will grow. Now, even though all the rest of my head out there is perfect, I can stay here and live in this zone should I choose to do that because I have free will. Very dumb idea because if you live in this zone, you're in the mental ill health, you're in the mental physical health, you're in the mess zone. Okay, you're in the chaos zone. So, but people choose to do that. They choose to stay there and that's their choice and God's a gentleman. You have to partner with God. He's not going to force you to do anything. He's done everything already. Your past, your present and your future are already done for you. Everything you need for the rest of your life is already done. God is not bound by the fact that you still have to live and you still have to get to tomorrow. It's already done. Everything you need and your capacity to access his goodness is based upon your wisdom and wisdom comes from spending time in the word of God. As Einstein once said, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. So if God tells us to bring all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus, you need to know all God's thoughts. How are you going to know that? You have to choose to partner with God. You have to choose to step through the door into this zone. And as you stay in this zone, your entanglement with God is there. So you are caught, God is calling this, this thing of the particles being split apart and, and still turning. If one spins this way, one spins that way, shows that there's a connection. So God is always calling us. So now when we don't forgive, that person, maybe 10,000 miles away from you but if they are thinking a bad thought about you because there's no space-time dimension it is as though they are standing in front of you spewing their poison all over you and this thing is growing they are getting in your head and growing your thoughts in your head there's no space-time dimension it's as though they are right in front of you. This is what quantum physics teaches us. You are entangled in their lives. You are connected. There isn't a disentanglement. And a curse without a cause won't alight, but a curse with a cause will alight. This is a curse with a cause. Yes, you may be the victim, but forgiveness says I disconnect, I disentangle. Forgiveness means I get this thing out of my head. Because in my head is causing mental ill health. It's changing the environment. It's putting me at risk for things like cancer and all kinds of stuff. 98, latest research in our oncological research, which is cancer research, shows that 98% of cancer comes from our thought life. There is, this is just a big fat mess in your head and in your body. You don't want that. You want to get rid of it. When you forgive, you are not excusing that behavior. When you forgive, you are disentangling. You are creating a situation where a curse without a cause will not alight. They can't, they can say what they want about you, but it will not touch you. And you, the, the more you think toxic about this and the more you want to talk about it, the more you're growing that. That's not the way to heal. That's the way to die. 
Okay, so you, when you forgive, you are disconnecting, you are getting that out of your head. And God says, cast all your cares upon him. So if you were the traumatized victim, sin, it makes sense. You did it, so you need to acknowledge it, confess it, and believe the blood of Jesus heal. As you confess, you'll receive your forgiveness, etc. But when you traumatize, it's a little kind of harder because you think, hey, I was the victim. Well, God is saying, cast all your cares upon me. So you have to confess that you haven't cast all your cares upon him. Not for what that person did, because if you read your Bible and you implanted the word of God which will save your soul, Google and gossip will not save your soul. Okay, the word of God will save your soul. If you've implanted the word of God, you would have read 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 and memorized it which says, he will repay with retribution those who trouble you. God has got your back. And that's why he tells us when you forgive, you disconnect, you disentangle. It goes away. You break that tie with that person. And then you pray for them because God, it's, you know what's going to happen to them. And he will repay with retribution. If they choose to stay in that zone and not come to him and not confess, they are going to go the wrong way. And God is not going to stand and interfere. It is your prayers that will then maybe make them listen one day to someone that will speak to them and they'll stop doing what they're doing and they'll stop hurting other people and they'll find Christ. So your forgiveness and your prayers for that person who hurt you may stop a whole lot more people being hurt you see get over yourself it's hard but you have to get over yourself and research shows that the more you get over yourself the more brain health you will have because you're designed to be addicted to God and as you bring all those thoughts into captivity you change so here's a healthy thought this is what a healthy thought looks like. Have a look at that. This is inside the actual brain. And this is, the, that's, those are, that when you see the clustered part at the top where there's more um, branches, the more you think, the more branches you grow. Okay, so this is an unhealthy thought. Okay, can you see that black thing over there? That's not a hole in your brain. When you have, it's, it's a whole lot of toxic thoughts. We just took a bit of artistic license. This is an actual slide of in the brain, but the little coloring we use in artistic rendition to just exaggerate what it looks like. But when you are toxic, there's inflammation, there's neurochemical chaos, there is abnormal glucose flow, abnormal blood flow, there's damage, we see physical damage. So when you are toxic, your brain looks, this, it creates the same, it creates a pattern that we can recognize that is not the normal pattern pattern. What we found from research and what researchers have found is that if you cut your finger or you hurt yourself or you have some kind of virus in your body, your liver will respond by, by basically releasing what we call C-reactive proteins. That's just one of, the immune one of the immune defenses we have in our body, backup systems that God has so graciously given us. And what that does is that that sets up a whole system of healing, which takes around about 21 days. So there's a whole healing process that gets into action and around about 21 days later, healing will take place. So here's the thing. Our immune system, we all know, helps us to heal. I've just said that. But what they did find, which they didn't expect, was that the same response happens when you have a toxic thought. So your body recognizes a toxic thought in the same way as physical damage or viral damage or anything that's damaging inside your body. A toxic thought is no different to a physical damage in terms of the body's response. So you will also have C-reactive proteins being released when you have a toxic thought, which goes to the site of damage, the toxic thought, and causes inflammation, and healing is supposed to take place. But if you don't forgive, and you don't get over this issue, it just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you start moving into chaos. And as you move into chaos and disorder, you will start manifesting with all kinds of weird mind symptoms. And because we're all so unique, it all comes out in unique ways, and psychiatry try to label and lock us in with labels which is never a good idea because you're not a label you're a unique human being with a context and you and a history 
and you've had stuff happen to you. And the way to fix you is not to give you a label stamp, boom, that's your label, and this is your drug, medication. That is not the answer. And mental health, ill health is in a worse state now than it has ever been in the history of mankind. With the advances in neuroscience, which are phenomenal, and the advances in medicine, which are phenomenal, we are in a worse place with mental health now than we have ever been in the history of mankind. So something's wrong. Something's wrong when the gold standard of treating mind issues is to give someone a medication that has never been scientifically proven to do anything but cause more damage and create new neurological disorders and dumb the person down to the point where they don't deal with the issue and squash it even deeper and then they wonder why something that could have been dealt with has turned into a lifelong illness when it wasn't an illness in the first place. Ladies and gentlemen, I have news for you. This is not illness over here, this is disorder. This is sin and trauma that is dragging us down. And this is why God says you better bring all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus. You better renew your mind, otherwise I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Please choose life by bringing your thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus, by renewing your mind, because if you don't do that, all kinds of consequences which science is showing us, medical science and neuroscience and all these sciences are showing us that if we mess up our gene code by the wrong signals, we are going to land up in a bad place. But fortunately, we can change. God has been so gracious in the design of the human brain that when we acknowledge this, when we take this from the non-conscious to the conscious mind, we have this phenomenal ability to change. Let me show you a picture of what this looks like. Okay, don't pass out. This is my theory, okay? This is my theory. It's a scientific theory that teaches you about how the mind works. So all you have to do, because I'm going to spend a minute on this, and I've only got a few minutes left to teach you, look at the green, purple, blue. And then dig deep into this tomorrow and look at the pink clouds down the bottom. Can all handle that, okay? See the arrows going across from the green to the purple to the blue. Okay, now what this is, is that this is mind in action. So the green part represents what we call the non-conscious mind and the purple part represents the conscious mind. Okay, conscious when you're awake, non-conscious you think that you're knocked out, but you're not. Non-conscious is equally as active, but it, and it operates 24 hours a day. So your, con your mind, which if you recall I said your mind is in the middle, your mind is your soul, your mind is your intellect, your will and your emotions, your mind which is your soul, which is your thinking, choosing and feeling is in the middle, your mind has got one foot in the door of the spirit, remember I said that, and one foot in the door of the physical. So your mind is this powerful thing that has a conscious component which operates when you're awake and it has a non-conscious component that operates 24 hours a day. It drives the conscious mind and that's why you see the green uh, flowing to the purple and then flowing to the blue. The blue is basically our five senses, our contact between the external world and the internal world of our mind. So your your blue, the blue part of my theory is your view, looking, hearing, seeing, feeling, touching, using your five senses to take in these words. So it comes in through the blue and into your conscious mind. You are consciously aware of hearing me speak. You are consciously aware of things, seeing things on the screen. You are also consciously aware of thoughts memories popping up from your non-conscious to your conscious mind. You also are able to talk to the Holy Spirit through this whole thing. 
So you can do four to seven things at any one moment. So you can hear my words, see my visuals, be aware of the thoughts that this is stimulating to move from the non-conscious where all your trillions upon trillions upon trillions of thoughts which are memories that you have been building since conception are, there, are stored there moving up because they're being stimulated. Four to seven things move from the non-conscious to the conscious mind at any one moment. So in other words, the conscious at any one moment, as I'm speaking now, signals in, conscious awareness of these signals and conscious awareness of stuff moving from the non-conscious to the conscious mind. Now, you can also, on top of all of this, talk to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? How do I apply this? How do I learn this? What should I be doing? What are you trying to tell me? You can have a whole conversation with the Holy Spirit and you can learn to discipline your mind. This is disciplining your mind. This is, okay, stuff's coming in, stuff's coming up. Holy Spirit, what must I do? And that requires practice, but you are designed to do that. And if you don't do that, you are going to listen to yourself instead of the Holy Spirit because you listen to something, okay? And that yourself is also the signals from the enemy because the enemy is very good at lying. That's all he can do. An illusionist and a liar. Nothing's real, nothing's happened, it's not true. He wants you to believe it and turn it into a reality, which we'll learn about tomorrow morning as we learn about the power of choice. So what I want you to understand now is that your non-conscious mind is very powerful. It's equally as powerful as your conscious mind because your conscious mind can decide, okay, I'm going to pay attention to that good thought popping up and I'm going to start working on this toxic thought popping up and Holy Spirit, thank you for showing me that because now I need whatever. You can have a whole comment, or you can say, I don't want to listen to that, I'm going to, re I'm going to view the situation through this, and whatever. So you have a whole bunch of choices to make. And if you haven't, what, you have, what, what, is, what I've just described is bringing all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus. So as it comes in from the outside, as it comes in from the inside, you then uh, have this conscious ability to say, okay, Lord, what should I do? Whatever's coming up from the inside is stuff that you have implanted. Okay, so when you're born again, you have this whole download from the Spirit of God, which is constantly growing through your intuition and your conscience and your communion. And as, as, as you make the effort to develop your spiritual life, it's growing and growing. But you also have stuff that you have been building since conception. In the womb, you responded. In the womb, you were building memories. As you grew up, you and now you are always building memories. Stuff that is in your non-conscious mind. When it's down there in the non-conscious mind, it's operating 24 hours a day. It is influencing how you function. So... We can't change it when it's in the non-conscious. We have to be consciously aware of it. So when it moves from the non-conscious to the conscious mind, we become aware of it. And something wonderful happens. All of this, by the way, is research I've been involved in for the last 30 years. Something wonderful happens as it moves to the conscious mind. It becomes weakened. Okay, it becomes malleable, which means changeable. So God, when he says that you can renew your mind, he didn't lie. Okay, God doesn't lie. God also doesn't make things difficult. We do. Okay, God is profound, but in profoundness comes simplicity. And he has designed us able to admit, quit, and beat. Okay, so basically once we, what science has shown us is that when something moves from the non-conscious to the conscious mind, it is malleable. When it's in the non-conscious and suppressed, it's causing damage. Once you're aware of it, you can actually change it. And when we talk about changing it, we are talking about redesigning. The correct scientific term is reconceptualization. We reconceptualize our thinking. Okay, so now how do I reconceptualize that on my own? I can't. 
but I can if I've brought that thought into captivity to Christ Jesus and I'm linked to the vine where there is life. I have the ability to stand back and not immerse myself in that, but I can stand back with God who knows everything and I can start gaining my levels of wisdom and thinking God's thoughts on the matter and I can start breaking that down. Get that? So that takes, science shows us, it takes, it's not, it's, you're forgiven instantly because as soon as this comes up, you better quickly confess because that's what God tells us to do. Sorry, God, thanks for making me aware of this because you see the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need. He leads us unto all truth, the scriptures say. So he knows, he knows what you need to work on now. It's not your husband, your wife, your friend, your pastor, your counselor, your whatever, that your best friend, your child, your dog, your cat. They do not know what you need to work on now. You don't either. The Holy Spirit does. We make a massive mistake in counseling and therapy to think, okay, you have this issue, you need to do this, you need to work on that. If something is brought into the conscious mind before you're ready to deal with it, this thing is filled with emotions and information, you will be overwhelmed and overcome by the emotion. And this is why we need to recognize, you, I can't fix your head. Only you and God can. I can give you the technique, I can encourage you, I can be who knows Lord of the Rings. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. It's excellent because the concepts in that film are brilliant where you've got Sam who has to carry the ring which represents evil and he has to throw it into the volcano and there's a scene and the scene I'm referring to is where his best friend Frodo who walks with him through everything, Sam is now drawn down with this thing that he knows he's got to get rid of and it's just dragging him down and he's kind of, it represents this being stuck in this toxic zone and this pulling towards evil and you've got to get rid of it out of your life, you've got to choose, you've got to carry your own evil and get rid of your own evil and Frodo turns to him and says, Sam, I cannot carry your ring, but I can carry you. And that's very significant. I cannot carry your ring, nor can your pastor, nor can your husband or wife, but you can. And you can, and when you choose to partner with God, something magnificently entangled happens. You entangle with the one who knows everything and who knows how to fix this. And when you entangle with him, not only does he carry you, but he walks you through step by step how to get rid of this thing. And it's a process. He gives us science because he put us in a physical body in a physical world with laws. So whether you like it or not, you are a spiritual being in a physical body. So while you're on this earth, you've got to follow the laws of science because God made them. So when you confess, you get your forgiveness, but you now still have this remnant, this remnant left over. And this, this is pretty much just a bad habit, okay? A toxic sin, this is sin, stronghold of the enemy, whatever you want to call it. But it's there, it's weak, but you are now able with the Holy Spirit to practice breaking it down. It takes seven minutes a day, research shows, over a period of 21 days to break this down and build this up. Now I'm going to stop there and I'm going to do part three and four tomorrow. Just to encourage you and help you, I have materials on showing you how to break this down. It's called my 21-day brain detox. All the stuff I teach, I have lots of books. I have online programs with these little videos that you can watch to help you do the seven minutes a day. Understand all these concepts. All the stuff from therapy and science that research that I've done, I've put into materials because I can't teach quick enough. In, I mean, I can speak fast if you want, but I can't get... You, blah, 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 you won't understand anything I'm saying and all I. Anyway, so basically what I want to encourage you is that I'm here to deliver and so a seed but you're going to have to take that and plant it deep so I've got the resources for you to help you but my most important thing in the world that you need to that I can tell you is that you have to set up a constant internal dialogue with God it is your first and foremost priority you have to get that mind of yours that love love listen to listen to it love you have a love mind where did God say you have a spirit of fear the Bible says you do not have a spirit of fear you have a spirit of love Okay, you have a spirit of soundness. 
This is mental health. This is mental ill health. This is unsoundness. He did not say that you have a spirit of fear and unsoundness and no power. He said you have the power and you have love and you have soundness. This is your default mode. This is how you look at your life. This is how you deal with that small one to five percent. You partner with God. You step in to your future here. And the capacity for you accessing the goodness of God is going to be based upon how much you choose to develop your wisdom. And how you develop your wisdom is stepping into this zone. Thank you. God bless. Have a wonderful Saturday evening.